0: Welcome back. Thank you guys for joining us again today. We really appreciate you. For those of, who, for those of you who don't know, I'm Day Day.
1: And I'm Ryan.
0: And you're listening to Ryan and Day Day Saves the Internet. Today we'll be covering our top 10 books, some things that really got us going, and some of the things that snatched our attention from the most recent Slater Drag Race programming. So let's get, let's get right into our top 10 books. Ryan, what's, your, what's number 10?
1: Okay, so I actually put... The Dragons of Babel by Michael Swanwick. It's um, it's just a random fantasy book that I picked up one day. Um, I think I was probably like in my early 20s. And it was just about this kid who kind of like in an Aladdin fashion was kind of like a thief in a world that was run by these like mechanical dragons and um, fade ascendants. And it was absolutely the coolest book ever. And I was like taken off guard because you know how sometimes like how we operate sometimes like you'll find a really cool book and you'll suggest it to me and then I'll check it out. Or maybe you see a review online or something. It was nothing like that. I just walked into Barnes and Noble. Um, The the cover was like really, really sexy. And so I was like, oh, you know, let me read the summary. And I'm like, okay. I read the first 15 pages in in the store. And now it's like one of my favorite books of all time. Like it's a beaded old paperback and it's, it's nice it's really really good i think you would like it too
0: you know sometimes some of the best gems in a literary sense or in even a cinematic sense are the things that people aren't talking about because everyone has something special about them that draws them to what's special about somebody else and just because that's it's not true uber popular doesn't make it not great that's true that's true all right so what's your number 10 Okay, so my number 10 is Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda by Becky Albar- Alba- Tally. I, I may have pronounced that wrong, but she's still amazing. <laughs> um, the book is about a young teenager. It's a coming-to-age story about a young homosexual teenager and how he gets into an online flirtation with someone else from his school, and it's all pretty much anonymous. And, you know, drama ensues, you know, he gets outed. It, it, it's, a, it's just a really good book, and the format of it is very interesting because the majority of the book is a POV based on their emails back and forth. Oh, that's cute. So I really love it. Um, the the movie Love, Simon is based on the book, and now she had another, a, another couple of shorts coming out, a novella, she called it. That's gonna follow you know that cast a, a bit longer, so I'm really looking forward to reading that as well, but that's number ten. you know, gotta shout out to the family. Let me say something real quick about that. Um, I'm pretty sure you saw already there's news that they're gonna do a love Simon sequel. Did you see yes, that um the t v show on yeah, the t v show on Hulu is like supposed to be it's not really about the the guy Simon but it's in his universe, and I'm really interested in seeing it, because that trailer was salacious.
1: And I hadn't seen it, because, you know, I saw Love, Simon, like, way after you, so, like, I didn't, like, know what the sequel would be about, but people seem to be very excited. But since it's in the same universe, but not based on him, I wonder how that's going to take, because I feel like a lot of people connected to that character.
0: Well, they've they done a really, a really tasty thing. Um, that character of Simon, he's going to be the narrator of the show, and also make some cameos. So they're not going to break the universe oh, in half. Okay. They're going to kind of weave it in in a very creative way, I hope. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a chance. And, you know, <laughs> I'm excited.
1: Sweet.
0: So I'm ready for your number nine.
1: My number nine is something that I think you've probably read and we all did because we had to in school. And typically those books I automatically have a bias against because like I have to read them. Uh, but Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Did they make you read that in school or no?
0: They um they made us read. Um, I think it was like four chapters in the middle of the book to do to take a test off of.
1: Oh, got you. I haven't seen any of the movies, so I don't know how it deviates. But the skinny of it was like Big Brother being so ingrained in people's lives that having books is like totally illegal. So they were like burning books um, as they found them and controlling. The media is so strong that the only way you can get information was through the television. And there were even these like weird houses that had like big TVs, like as walls and firefighters burned books instead of like putting out flames. So it was like this really weird and kooky like um, concept. But, you know, we love books. So the idea that like they're burning books, it was just like, you know, an automatic hook for me. But the story gets really deep. It's really cool.
0: Now, that sounds very interesting to me because I can't live in a world where I can't read books. Yeah. Like, I love watching my TV and I love watching my movies, but something about the literary journey books can take you through are just powerful. And I've always been drawn to the stories where there's some type of prohibition. Yeah. whether it be, you know, magic a magical prohibition where people are supposed to be using magic or like like in in your sense where you can't write, you you can't read books or you can't sing songs. That type of prohibition is a gateway into perseverance, which I mean everyone loves a story about perseverance.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Now, let's hear yours. What's next for you?
0: All right, so my number nine is actually a series of books. It's The Circle of Magic and The Circle Opens by Tamara Peters. Now, the reason why I love these books so much is because I'm not really a one-off type of reader. I want to live and breathe in this world as long as possible. Yeah. So the first four books start off with these four young mages who have a... They live in a world of that magic is, if not commonplace, recognized. Recognized, but they have these eclectic magics like thread magic and plant magic. Um, one of them one of them controls light, the other one weather, mm-hmm. and it's these magics that aren't particularly common. So they get sent to a not particularly common um, academy to learn about how to use their not particular magic. And the story goes, there's four books. Each of the, each of the students have their own book. And then she goes back to that world with the circle opens where they are They actually take on students of their own who also have peculiar magics. And I just found out like literally two weeks ago, maybe that she has started another series about the Circle Reforging. <laughs> There's another 3 books in that same universe. So I'm waiting to get my hands on those 3 because this is, again, I love a world that you, that you're able to live and breathe in. So now those same 3 kids, those same four kids that I grew up with are now adults like myself and I want to delve into that side of the story as well.
1: I'm shocked that I've never heard you talk about this series. Or if I,
0: or if you have, I don't remember it. Have you told me about this before? I'm not sure. I, this may have been be one of the ones that um I haven't talked about because I read the first eight books before we met. Oh, um, I didn't realize
1: it was that old. Do, um, do you remember yeah. where
0: it, like it started or no at this point? Uh, not even. Like I remember I went to my school library. I think it was either my elementary or middle school library to find a book for a book report. And it stood out to me, because really it stood out to me because it had a little black girl on the cover. And I was like, oh, here we go. And turns out that was the third book in the series. So of course after I read the book and did my due diligence to get the the, um, book report done, I went back and found the first two books and loved it. Found the fourth book, loved it. Realized that there were four more books, read those and loved them. And now, as a 30-year-old adult, I find out there are three more books that I'm going to read and probably love. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, that sounds great. And there's something magical about those books that you find when you're younger that you don't really think about and then going back and seeing that they continue the series. Like that's so fun. That's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It was it was great. It was great. But now it's time.
1: What's number eight for you? So my number eight goes a little dark. Um, you know I'm a huge horror fan. <laughs> it's called Um The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. Um So The Hellbound Heart is actually what inspired the series Hellraiser. And I don't know if you know this, we've never talked about this, but Clive Barker is a member of our community. He is an openly gay man. He wrote about The Hellbound Heart in hopes that it would actually become a film. Like, from what I understand, his end goal was to make it a film. But, I mean, he did a great job in the story itself. Like, do you even know what Hellraiser is about? Because I know you don't like, you know... Well, I
0: don't know what Hellraiser is about. I do know
1: the visuals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny about that. Like that was me before. Like I met Emilio. I had I had never seen it. Um, but everyone knows, like Pinhead, because like you know how crazy exactly. he looks. Um, I mean, without me blabbing forever about it, like the skinny is. It's just about people who are looking for um, a way to transcend pleasure as we understand it as human beings, and so they interface with, like, these damn Cenobites in hopes that they'll actually achieve a higher level of pleasure. But obviously, when you see them, I mean, everyone's seen these damn things, like, they take it to the next level. Like, they rip off your skin. They, um, you know, make you immortal so that no matter what they do to you, you just go on living through it. And the ones who blossom in that pain become Cenobites themselves. But the pain is so glorious, they forget that they were ever humans.
0: Wow, that pain and ple that pain that pain is pleasure thing taken to the umpteenth.
1: Yeah, and the cool thing is, like conceptually, like obviously that's a whole like mythos and shit. But you're having this like drop in the middle of someone's life. So like imagine like a nymphomaniac, which is you know Frank, that's the main character at the beginning, give being given this and being snatched into something and finding a way out of it and them trying to pursue. Um, so there's, like, a final girl aspect, because she's trying to outsmart the Cenobites, while still trying to, like, traverse all of the mechanics and politics of things that are going on. She's no Cindy Prescott, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> but, like, she's she's enjoyable to watch. She's not an idiot. She thinks quick on her feet, and so it's, like, fun to, it's, like, fun to read. It's a really great book. And
0: we all stay in a final queen,
1: come on. Oh, yeah. I love myself a good final girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your turn for number eight.
0: All right, so my number eight is The Red Scrolls of Magic by Cassandra Clare and Wesley Chu. Now, this is a bit of a spinoff, not the only spinoff, but a bit of a spinoff from the Motor Instruments series, also by Cassandra Clare. Spoiler alert, that's on my list. (laughs) Um, And this this is uh, about Magnus Bane and Alex Lightwood. And that is the, the gay couple in the, well, really, I should say, Alex is gay, Magnus is bisexual, because he's a warlock and he's lived hundreds of thousands of years. And it's about their relationship, trying to, to, to feed it, water it, blossom it. And it's the first book of a, three, of a, a trilogy that hasn't yet been released yet. So I'm waiting on a second book. But the first book was really well written. It was in a universe that I enjoyed, and sort of like how the circle opens in the Circle of Magic, I love to continue to breathe in a world like that. So you know, Cassandra Clare keeps putting out these books, living in the Shadowhunter world, and I keep eating it up.
1: Shadowhunter. Okay, no, you definitely talked to me about that. I remember.
0: I remember now. What do you remember yeah, when that series those started? Those books are though? really good. Um, that series started, at least I started reading it. I should say, probably maybe six years ago. Um, whether that's when it started or not, I can't be sure. But I was on par with the book releases. Right. Nice. So like, I I read book one before book two came out. And I read book two before book three came out. So so that um, so I think that I was right on par with it.
1: Got you. Usually I I get on things pretty late. I think some of the series that we read together, like we were on par with, but the other ones are usually deviations. Sometimes I find books like from the seventies and shit and like, I'm reading it like it's brand new and I mean, it's new to me. So Hmm. (laughs) what,
0: what, what old becomes new again. That's the circle of life.
1: Yeah. And some tales are just timeless. So
0: (laughs) exactly. All right. Um, what is your number seven?
1: My number seven actually feels uh, familiar to me, to my number ten, but it's The Name of the Wind by Patrick Ruffus. And we've talked about this a little bit before.
0: Yes, we
1: have. Um, I'm waiting on the third book to come out. Um, But for those at home who, you know, don't know about it, it's a great read because um, it feels it feels like um, something that I, like, believe in the world, like, which is when you know the true name of something you have control over. Like, naming is like a a powerful thing. And that's why in some, like, religions it's blasphemous to say God's name and all this other stuff because naming is so powerful. Um, Because when you put a name around something, you give it a container. So it feels like he believes that too because the main character, through all the turmoil in his life, he's trying to figure out what the name of the wind is, which is essentially kind of like when you think about spellcasting, it's like that. You're trying to figure out the name of something so you can control it. But obviously, even though that's the name of the story, his adventure takes him through so many different um, things. And it's really, really fun to read. He's orphaned at a young age because, like, these otherworldly beings um, decimate his entire family. And then um, he ends up going through, you know, being a thief, being a con artist. Uh, I think he even conned himself into magic school because there's, like, a magic school there. Like, in he cuts some really wicked deals with the, the fantasy version of Sally May. And that's why when you read it, you're <laughs> going to die. Like, there's this scrupulous-ass woman off campus who is like, you know, I'll give you the money for tuition, you know, but you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And, you know, you can't call a con. So, it, I mean, the dynamic is really, really fun. Um, when he finally decides to release book three, I'm going to be standing right there. Um, but he got greenlit for a TV show, I think. So I think he's just going to take his time and um release it like from what i understand he's already written it because what we understand to be like pieces one two and three are actually one book that he wrote already but when he was like you know querying that they were like dude like this is this is too much text. like can you segment it down and he said okay fine so he took what was the name of the wind? And he polished it like a river stone. I think that's how he worded it. And then he jumped over into two and did the same thing. And that's the wise man's fear. That one was good, too. But where is my doors of stone? I don't care about this TV show. Like, if I don't get my door, I'm going to have to see him with those hands. I don't know where he lives at, but I'm popping with hands. Look, <laughs> I'm about to get my Vaseline <laughs>
0: This book is one of the ones that has stuck with me that you talked about because it's right up my alley in terms of what I enjoy to read, and you know you guys at home will notice as the list you know continues to to go through that I am a sci fi fantasy person from beginning to end, like that's just my gig that's my cup of tea so the name of the wind is something that i'm really going to dip my toes in when i get when i get the moment because i really want to be part of that and maybe depending on how he decides to waggle his toes i may be able to catch up with you we can read the third one together
1: yeah i mean and these books are like perfect length like you know around seven or eight hundred pages so they're very well written um they're not like brochures um, you know, you can eat on it for a while and live in that world and breathe with it. And I'm sure that the doors of stone will probably keep that pace and like give us like a hearty volume because I don't I don't want anything that's like short either at this point. I want to like jump into something.
0: Exactly like when I read a book, I really length isn't important, but right. it kind of is because I don't want to read a 300-page book. Like, it, it, for me, that's a bite-sized portion. Yeah. Like, when I when I go to get my chocolate balls, I want the king-size, not the bite-size. Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing with my books. Yeah, I agree.
1: Like, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like, like you said, like if, if the book is good and it happens to be two or 300 pages and some of the stuff on this list fits that, fine. But if I had to choose, I want one that's, like, lengthy so I can get to know the characters a lot more. So Exactly. All right, so let's see. What is your number seven?
0: All right, my number seven is the Younger Elite. The whole the whole series of books is a trilogy by Mary Lou. Um, this story is interesting to me because it, it's reminiscent to me of a lot of other stories that I like. The it's a story about perseverance, about being different and coming together as a family outside of your natural family. So there's this huge plague that runs through this fictional world and Mm -hmm. it's wiping out all these people, these children in particular. And when the children who survive, they are marked in some way. And those those markings are a sign that they survived the plague, but also that they have been imbued with these unnatural abilities. And like most people, What they don't know, they don't understand. So they're shunned, they're treated terribly, they're abused and killed. And then a group of these people calling themselves the Young Elites, which is the name of the first book, Mm -hmm. they decide to fight back against that. And then the story goes over three books. It's a tale as old as time about coming together, finding love, fighting back against your oppressors, and persevering through it all. And it ends with a really great twist that's how that's how I'm going to leave that. But I suggest to anyone who likes, you know, X Men, sci fi, fantasy, and you're a young adult who wants to keep it less adult, then that's a series to look into.
1: Nice.
0: I I don't think that's one we've talked about. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it sounds maybe, good. Maybe maybe I've mentioned it in passing, but um, I don't know. I don't think so. What's, What's the name of the first book? The younger leads. The younger leads. That sounds
1: nice. I mean, some of these like books, I, like after the oh sorry, <laughs> after the fact, I want to like you know read some of them for sure.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Too. I was just about to. I was just about to. All I was going to say was that I'm taking notes as well, and the name of the win was the first one that I wanted to put down on paper because I wanted to remember that because we've talked about we've talked about that book in particular three or four times, and I think I'm gonna press buy on it very soon.
1: You could actually. Um, because the way I got into it, like um I ended up with the hard copy because you know we prefer hard copies, but you can download the sample because he has such a consistent writing style that you'll know like in the first chapter or so if like the pace is for you or not. you know what I mean?
0: Oh okay, yeah, a, that is a good tip as a matter of fact, I suggest that everyone at home listening, if any of these books sound good to you, by all means go to your you know your Amazon store or your Kindle or your Apple Store. Download the um, preview of it. Read it. Tell us what you think.
1: I would love to know it as well. And and also when we get to the end, um, we'll, you know, if you remind me, <laughs> like we'll, we'll ask people to suggest some books to us as well because I really, I love checking out new books and it's easier when I get a reference from someone because it's like a firsthand account of like how it impacted them. Especially since we're talking about like what we like, they'll know, oh, well maybe, you know, since you like, you know, the dragons of Babel, maybe you'll like that story. Or since you like the young elites, maybe you haven't heard of this one or whatever the case may be.
0: Exactly. Because we may have someone out there who says, Oh, I read the young elite and there's a story that is very similar. That's very good that I want you to look into. And we are open to all of those. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. We got time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very much. Um, Especially in these days.
1: Yeah, we're not doing that today. We we gonna keep it on a high note, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's your number six? So
1: Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Um, I, I I think you suspected that it would be on this list, but um, I mean, I, there's really not much to say. Um, I remember being in high school and reading that book so much that I would get in trouble in psychology class. Like, um, I had a teacher named Mr. Jared, and um, in school I was like super like, extra flamboyant. Like, that was just that was just who I was. And I always had, when I was, like, reading Twilight, I had, like, the paperback. I would carry it so that you could see the hands with the apple just to add more dramatic effect to, you know, me. I could have, like, put it in my bag, but no, I wanted everyone to see. And I would get in trouble reading it in class. Like, it was just so enthralling. And then when they did that first um, movie, I thought they did a great job. I mean, looking back, I think that maybe it was perfect for that time. You know, I don't know if it aged well or not. Some stories don't age well per se, but I remember how I felt the first time I read it and it was like magical. So.
0: Yeah. As you know, I love that book as well. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my number six is the Twilight series by Stephanie Myers. Are you serious? So you're the sixth as well? That's a gag. (laughs) That's the gag. That is crazy to me, and just to elaborate on everything you said, it's an amazing book. You know, it has vampires, and those vampires have superpowers, and it's a love story, forbidden love that Juliet, that Romeo and Juliet feel to it. Um, the way that it builds and branches, the way that she builds, the way that Stephanie Myers builds those relationships, and when she could, t- she could tell that oh, Jacob wasn't supposed to be in this book. For she was on, he was only a plot device in New Moon, but the fans love him. I love him. We're going to make him a bigger deal. And as you know, I'm not a huge fan of Love Triangles. However, that one I got into. You know
1: what? It's funny you say that because um, I never told you this. Um, When you told me that Jacob was just supposed to be a plot device, I didn't even know that at first. I didn't even realize it because I was one of those people who was really attracted to that character. Like the way that she Organized it the way that she thought through how different he was from the Cullens and their culture and everything. It was it was fun and like I'm someone who, if you remember, when I was a kid, I used to read uh, Anne Rice. I didn't read all the books, <laughs> I just I you know read uh, Interview with a Vampire. And I remember reading Twilight like, oh, this is to me different. And usually when you see the fandoms, they collide. It's always like one or the other, but I don't feel like it has to be that way. Like Twilight was just a lot of fun. Like I I don't know that like I would compare it against Anne Rice for any reason.
0: You know what I mean? Like it's right.
1: just it's just different. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I don't mind saying, "Oh, this author gives me Stephanie Myers Fields or Anne Rice Fields, but you won't see me saying, "Oh, these are two vampire romance novels and this one's better so I'm not going to read that one." No. Give them to me both. There's enough room yeah. in my heart for all types. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, like the characters are like
1: different. Like, um the Twilight characters are more modern. Um the Anne Rice characters are, wait, did I say Anne Rice twice? I mean to say <laughs> the Twilight characters are more modern and the Anne Rice characters were, you know, reigning from like an older period. And on top of that, um, they're more like adults. And Twilight is happening to people who are in, you know, a younger age group, where Bella's in high school when it starts and um Edward He's locked in at twenty three, I think he was. Right. So, um, was it? Tw- I can't remember if it was twenty three, but the point is like he was like younger. Younger. So um, for sure. Since we both had six in Twilight, then who? Ta- you take five. It feels better. So who's your okay, number five? I take
0: five. <laughs> um, my number five is Children of, Bun and Bo- Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adayeme. I believe the pronounce pronunciation name. If not, please don't at me. <laughs> um, I I love the book because it takes into effect the African culture. Yeah, um, it's about a, it's about a young woman, about a young black woman, and it doesn't shy away from the the oppression that women have, the oppression that Black people have, the oppression that anyone who different has. And you can, you see the themes running through all the books that I like. Um, this is about a young woman who is blessed by her gods to have a power over something. You know, everyone in her clan, they 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 all have clans that they preside over a certain element, whether it be ice, fire, water, metal, death, life, so forth and so on. And, you know, the king, he wasn't pleased with how powerful they were, and he decided to you know, fix that issue for himself. And I don't want to go into any more details. These are all huge plot points. And I want people to be able to read it and enjoy it without having been spoiled. But if you're interested in anything that I've said about this book, please go ahead and read it. I'm actually in the middle of reading the second book in the series, which is Children of Virtue and Vengeance. And it is a very, very great continuance of it. So when I finish that book, I'll be ready for the third. Yeah, so I'm so
1: mad that I haven't read the first book. You're the one who first told me about um, The Children of Blood and Bone. And I don't know if you remember this, but I called you one day, forgetting that you're the one who gave me that. And I was, like, showing you the book cover, and I'm like, what is this book? Like, look at the... Because the art is very, like, stunning. And it kind of puts me in the way that I felt, like, as a kid seeing... Because it reminds me of, like, Storm's art. Like, with, like, the dark skin and, like, the the, the white hair. Um, and to read something that is ingrained in African culture is exciting for me because I don't know a lot about African culture. It's something that um, is rich enough to yield its own fantasy, and a lot of people don't know that. We've talked about this a lot, um, but I've always wanted to read more of it. Like, I've read some, but I definitely want to check out that book one day. And I didn't tell you this, but Deshawn is reading it.
0: You did tell me that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because you told me that she um, suggested it to you as well, saying yeah. that you would really love it. So I'm like, well, look, you got two, you know, two highly re- high recommendations. It's time for you to scoop it up. As a matter of fact, I have a hard copy of it. You can borrow it anytime.
1: I always feel bad borrowing hard copies because, I, I mean, full disclosure, this is something that's never come up but When's a better time? I am hard on my books. Like, I am very hard on my books because I, I sleep with them and, like, well, Okay, um, I take them to bed with me. Like I, um, I'm like on metro with them. I use them as coasters. Like I'm just, I'm the worst book person, and it makes no sense since I love literature so much. But like, I'm the worst book person.
0: Well, look, let me tell you something. I'm fine with all of that except using it as a coaster. I can buy you some coasters. I have. I'm adding it to your Christmas list. Don't use my book as a coaster, but everything else is fair game. The funny thing is, y'all. I want
1: y'all to remember this. When I go over his house, he don't be playing about them coasters now. You do not put nothing down nowhere without no coaster. No, no, no.
0: Let me tell you something. My table is made out of marble and it's stained. Okay, so I have some. I have some good coasters. I got five. I got four <laughs> Harry Potter coasters. I got five Magic the Gathering po- coasters. There's plenty for all, and I make sure that they're used. <laughs> I got to
1: get you some Drag Race coasters. Like that's the one thing that's missing. Like that's the one thing.
0: And I would live for every moment of it. So add that to my Christmas list. Yeah,
1: I'm already gifting for you. Like I've I been having to think of this stuff like all year because otherwise, yeah. you know, it'd be sold out.
0: Yeah, me too, because especially in this climate that we're in, I'm just trying to get things bought quick and early so I'm not, like, left holding the gun. For sure. Alright, so it's time for my number five.
1: Five. Alright. So, Tomie by Junji Ito. Do you remember me telling you about that one or no?
0: Is that the horror novel? Yeah, so it's a horror manga. Um... (laughs) But it's not it's not the spiral one though. That's a different one. That one's Uzumaki, yeah. Okay. So Um Yeah, just tell me about it.
1: It's the one where basically so I like telling it from like how it started because that shows like how mystery, mysterious it is cuz you spend all this time like reading through Tomie's stories and you never really find out what she is. It's it's scary. Like he's kind of like cosmic Heart. So you think about like um I don't like H.P. Lovecraft for personal reasons, and we'll talk about that one day. But I would unfortunately have to compare it to H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Basically, it starts with this girl who's uh, like a high school student, and she's sleeping around with her teacher. And it's mostly because, like, there's an effect that she has on um, men where if she's around them first, it's like um, they get obsessed with her. Like, that's the first level of what happens. But for some reason, the longer you're around her, the um, obsession graduates to murder, like you want to kill her. And for some people, it's so no one else will have her. And for some people, it's to remove her scourge from the planet because she's just too beautiful to exist. So his obsession hits that point and he murders her. Um, Mostly to hide the fact that he's sleeping with a student, but also because of that weird obsession. And let me tell you something. He's teaching class the next day, and she walks in. Like he killed, Like he's not. He's not. Like he's not like um psychotic. He did kill her, but he's thinking he's losing his mind because she walks in and she sits down and just sits there and stares, that, like stares at him. Because in addition to these levels, she can't. She can die, but she shows up in other ways. So like, there's this one story where like her blood gets on this plastic, um, thing that this dude put down to stop it from staining his apartment. So her DNA actually fused with the plastic. And it started to, like, sprout into her, but it couldn't, like, hold form. So it was like she was in agony trying to, like, exist in that capacity. And if you cut her wow. into pieces, like, each piece becomes another Tomie So then we got 25, 30 Tomies running around. I think if you dig into it, yeah, it's like a metaphor for something. And it's, like, it's exciting, um, but you never really find out what she is as a result. Like, you never find out.
0: That's not always a bad thing because sometimes the best storyteller is your imagination. I agree. Sometimes you can tell too much. Yeah, and you know some 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 authors get too much into tying every knot real tight and don't leave anything to the imagination, which works just as much as leaving it open to your own to the reader's interpretation. So it's whatever you like. I agree.
1: All right, so let's say your number four.
0: All right, so my number four is the Divergent series by, by Veronica Roth. Now, do not judge this book by the movies. The movies were good. They were entertaining. They do not hold a candle to these three books. And another book in a sci-fi <laughs> sci-fi setting, another book with a young female protagonist, but it's always great to see books where people have to persevere, um, where people have to... Go outside of what's expected of them, and in this book, that happens. The main character is expected to join to continue on to her in, in her clan, and she chooses to go to a different clan one of the harder clans to be a part of because she just knows that that's the safest place for her and for her family, right? Because she's what people call a divergent, which means that she doesn't fit into any one clan, she is like a combination of all the clans, which we all are, really. And, you know, she's afraid that her family would be hurt by that, that she would be hunted down and killed for that type of diversity. And the story unfolds from there, and we understand, we, we, we grow to understand why she's divergent and what that means for society and everything like that throughout the three books. So it's a really great story. It has some great twists and turns, things you won't expect. I think that anyone who likes anything like that should definitely give it a try. You know, Emilio loves the Divergent series. He
1: um he didn't um read read it like he actually liked it through the movies. But he likes the idea of it. But what you're saying is true. I've noticed that movies tend to not hold a flame to the books. Like that's usually the case. There's only like a few one offs that I can think of where the for me the movie transcended the book. Like one hand.
0: Yeah, I um I'm trying to think of movies that transcended the books I can't really think of on offhand but I do know of a number like five or six movies that did the movies that did the books justice. The movies yeah. that I read, you know, movies that after I watched the movie and read the book or vice versa depending on which order I got into the medium, that I'm like okay, this is good either way.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Cause is that the one
1: um, with I can't think of her name, but in the movie she played um is the actress that played Rose in the Titanic series? Titanic series in Titanic, <laughs> um, or no? That's not I the don't... same. Oh
0: yes, the main villain was yeah, the, 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 yeah, the woman who played Rose. Um, the actress was Cheyenne Woodley, and I'm trying to remember what she was in. Ooh, it's it was the the TV show where she was a teenage a teenage mother. I can't remember the name offhand. Yeah,
1: I think I enjoyed that movie, too. But um, if the book was pretty good, then that says a lot. Because I think it was even popular. Like, it did good in box office, probably, I think. I think people really were excited for it. Yeah, it did. Okay, so I guess it's time for my number four.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
1: So I chose Black Boy, um, which also goes by American Hunger by Richard Wright. And if you remember when we went up to New York for a drag con, um, we picked it up off of a stand um in, in Times Square so it took me yes. mo- it took me months to read it because i don't typically get into um um stories that enriching like usually i'm like into more like you know fantasy horror science fiction but this was like someone's life and it was talking about a black man's life, like from the time he was a black boy to the time that he grew up, growing up like in a very racist period for America. And ironically, there was a point of the story where he went up to New York where we were for DragCon. He wasn't even allowed to stay in a hotel around there because he was black. And it was in the exact same area. And what was scary was it wasn't really more than 100 years ago. Like this was like the 20s. So it just really makes you realize how it's, I don't know, it's just I don't know how to explain, it's really difficult to explain but it's like, wow, the things that we take for granted, like that we went up to the drag con and it was one of the best times of our lives, like someone just 90 years ago, 80 or 90 years ago, would not have been able to have that experience.
0: You know, it blows my mind how recent the civil rights movement was, yeah, in com- you know, in comparison to some of the other things that our country had to go through, like our grandparents and probably our parents, depending on how old they are, had to deal <laughs> with, you know, some of the things that he probably had to deal with in his in the book when he's telling the story. Um, one thing that I really want to start getting into is nonfiction that relates to my tribes. And also, fiction that relates to my tribes that is outside of the sci-fi fantasy spectrum because I know sticking in my niche, which it is my niche, I'm not going to deny that, but sticking in my niche does keep me from seeing a broader spectrum of art that I know I'll be interested in as well. So that's why Black Boy is something I really want to dig, dig into because you have given it a recommendation so high that I know it's going to be a great foray into... A genre I don't usually foray into. And if you
1: ever want, like the same way, we could even trade. Like I'll let you borrow my copy. Um, it's already battered, so do what you what what you will with it. Um, but it was um it was definitely new for me. Like I, it definitely was something that was like completely outside. Oh, that's the word I'm looking for: comfort zone. It was like outside my comfort zone. I've never read anything like this before, and I'm happy that I did. It was maybe about. 3 or 400 pages so you're not reading it forever. The only reason that it took me so long to read it is it's someone's life. So it's it's not the same for like for me. It felt like I needed to kind of like digest it in pieces in order to get the whole story. Um but the way the story ends and I'm not going to obviously spoil it. But the way the story ends was very telling about the human condition um when it comes to being in a state of oppression like how people react and try to create their own spaces and how sometimes those spaces can actually become very confrontational if we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. It's like a cautionary tale. And it's very, I mean, it's amazing. Like um, I almost, like there's another book that Richard Wright wrote called Native Son that my father told me about. I think I want to check that one out too because I like how he writes. Um, I think this one is more autobiographical, but I don't think Native Son is. I think that one's about, um, a situation that could be real so it's like realistic but it's not you know it's not the, the real thing I'm trying not to spoil it because um, it's a very serious topic so
0: <laughs> yeah so when you pick that up and you give it and you get a gander you have to let me know let for us sure. all know for sure. how that
1: is I will we'll bring it up in the segment once I pick it up you know I'm like reading like three books right now so that's going to be <laughs> oh after this I want to know what you're reading I know it's not like related to the list but we we'll talk about that at the end Okay, me. yeah. All right, cool. For
0: sure. And, um. oh, we are into the top three already. I'm excited. Oh, my God. Okay, so my number three is the Mortal Instruments series by Cassandra Clare. I love it. It was at a time where I was starving for something like this. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was done and over. Angel, gone. Charmed done like i was looking for something to fill that void and surprisingly it came in the form of a book series not a tv show and it's about this group of people they're called shadow hunters they you know they're they're not they don't really hunt the underworld creatures they try to govern them i guess would be a best way to put it but they do hunt demons and these shadow hunters are like children with angel blood, so they can have some like they have a little bit of angelic power and the story goes through a tale of you know debauchery to say the least um you know father problems, mother problems, <laughs> you know relationship issues um <laughs> dealing <laughs> dealing with um death just a, a a a a wide spectrum of things that is a very powerful. Subject matter for a young adult novel because it may be the first time someone in that age would had to experience some of those things, and I really love it. Again, a fantasy type novel. Again, a young female protagonist. I have my type. And it is what it is. But please, if you like that type of stuff, pick it up. It's amazing. I want to hear your opinions on it. Um, and I have all seven of those books. So all you have to do is give me a call. We. Oui. It's seven of them? Oh my god! Seven of them. Is the series still going on? Um, n- no, that series is over. But she has had two or even three now more series based in that same universe.
1: Oh, I think that's a great idea because it keeps it fresh, but it still allows people to come into a world that they've like you know read in forever. So that's always good.
0: Yes. All right. Now, are you ready for? I'm ready for your number three. Are you ready to give it to me?
1: Uh, it's gonna surprise you, I'll tell you that. Cause you know I read it okay. but but um I don't think you knew that like I liked it this much for it to be in the top three. Um The Alchemist, uh but I'm gonna chop his name up, but it's I think it's Paolo Coelho. Co Coello? Coolo Co Co uh Coelho? Che Okay, so close. um He's trying his best, don't ask. <laughs> I'm about to say yeah though. He probably has time. Like no, but understand that it it's an exceptional book. And it's only like 100 or so pages, like 100 200 pages. Um, but the pace is breakneck. Like it's like and it's all allegorical um about finding your purpose in life. I don't even want to give any summary on it because that's the magic of the alchemist. It's um and, and you know like how like Beyonce the way she talks about alchemy um right you know, out of bare bones, you know, taking lemons and turning it into lemonade is taking something and transfiguring it is almost like how we were spoken to existence, how we're able to create things and, you know, move things. It's it's just like that. It's just another way of visiting that age old, you know, tale. Um, yeah. But I would definitely say check it out. Squirrel. Like, it's it's an amazing book and it's 200 pages. Like it's it's definitely on my top three.
0: Oh, a bite sized tidbit for you when you're just trying to get through something real quick. Yeah, I I, I might have to give it a look. Yeah, you should. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think you would enjoy it. All righty, we're getting down to the nitty and the gritty. My number two is to, no surprise to probably anyone, really. <laughs> a Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin. Now. There really no summary is really necessary because Game of Thrones the show is amazing and everyone knows that. So if you love Game of Thrones the show and you're an avid reader or even just a you know recreational reader, the books are ten times better. Pick them up, read them, enjoy them. They're amazing. Okay, so now let's get into your number two, Ryan. Okay.
1: So, my number two is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of uh, of Azkaban, specifically. Um, Of course, I love the whole Harry Potter series. Like, it's amazing. Um, I think it's one of the book series that brought our friendship closer together. Um, However, for me, I had to, like, think about which of them I would put at the top. And for me, it was definitely Prisoner of Azkaban because it had so many, especially in the ending, it had so many pivotal points that completely change the direction of the story. And I remember reading it and being like, because sometimes I kind of gauge like how many pages are left to figure out how likely it is that there's going to be another shift or another change. And in Prison of Azkaban, it was impossible to gauge because of the way that they terminated the story. Um, I I really love that book. Like the characters are really great. I love Sirius. I love the way they thought about how Azkaban works and the mentors you know, chocolate bringing happiness and, you know, even when you look at that scientifically, when you eat chocolate, it apparently does trigger, like, endorphins in your brain. So, it's really funny how like, little teeny tiny things culminate to a really amazing story.
0: Well, you already know how I feel about the Harry Potter series. Yes, indeed. Um, but, just for, just to talk about Prisoner of Azkaban in general, um, that twist at the end of the book yes. was pivotal. And I really feel like talking about it really won't be considered a spoiler because of all the media on it, not, but we won't mention it. Yeah, but that twist fair. at the end of it was amazing. Love those books. Love that series. And it really is a natural transgression to my number one. Yeah. <laughs> it no surprise to anybody <laughs> that my number one is the Harry Potter series. Absolutely. Um... If you haven't watched our introduction episode, episode zero, uh, go back to that. Watch it. You'll hear a little bit more about my take on the Harry Potter series. But just to rehash it, it is it was it was the first book I've ever read, the first chapter book I should say that I ever read. Um, it was a medium that was able to grow up with me, and you know usher me into adulthood, teaching me the lessons that sometimes you don't get to learn in other places. So, it's going to always be my number one. So, hopefully, we can do a top ten list where it doesn't have the opportunity to be number one because (laughs) otherwise I can't put anything else there because that's just how it has moved me in my life. And it's really very powerful that something created by somebody else could impact me in such an amazing manner. So, yes, my number one is... (laughs) <laughs> it's Kind of predictable, but it's the Harry Potter series, all seven books. And as I said earlier, I love a series that I can live in. My top three are all seven books or longer. Oh, well, really?
1: You're right. I just noticed that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Harry Potter was very special to me too. And maybe we'll have like a Harry Potter episode one day. To be honest, because there's enough that to, like there's really enough that we could say like how we were introduced to it standing in line waiting for our books. You know, I'm burning the midnight oil so we can finish up the last couple of pages for the next release. Like, it just was a magical period <laughs> in
0: time. Exactly. And I said seven books because I'm talking about the original series, not any of the shoot-offs that were great as well. I will just, this the series, the, the first seven books, that were the ones that really touched my heart. By the time that the spinoffs came, I wasn't... I had already allowed
1: myself to get over Harry Potter as painful as it was because I believed that she wasn't really going to come back to it um, because I don't remember what she said specifically, but there was some interview where she said, like, you know, I'm not going back to Harry Potter. It was something I don't something I don't remember. But yeah, I, I remember that as well. So I had to let myself kind of like move on. And so when she started making other stuff, I couldn't get into it because i'd already let myself kind of like break away and if it wasn't harry potter i didn't care so like when all the other stuff started coming out i just didn't care but um i don't know like i get good reviews on a lot of the stuff i know that people enjoyed the stage play the cursed child i haven't seen that um i tried to read the book but it just wasn't maybe because it was a script or something but it just didn't hit me the right way um and then there were like the um fantastic Beasts and where to find them series people love those too. And I think they're still continuing it. Um, but I just haven't checked it out yet. I'm so far behind. But those first seven, like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. Yeah,
0: I haven't read anything but the first seven. And you and I tried to read the screenplay together, and it's not a book, so it's hard to read. Yeah, it There's would it'd probably be great on stage, though. <laughs> it would probably be amazing on stage. Yeah, probably great yeah. on stage. Maybe one day, we'll fly our butts over to the UK and get it again. Or they'll bring it over here, which is... Also, possible and cheaper for us.
1: Yeah, I think both options are oh, good.
0: But what, like, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think both exactly. options are good. Yeah. And then the last thing on Harry Potter, I didn't say it, written by J.K. Rowling. So oh, those oh who- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I am ready to hear your number one. I want to know if it gags me or if it's something I expected.
1: You're going to expect it because I, I, like, when I read it, um, I wouldn't shut the hell up about it, but um, Wild Seed by Octavia E. Butler is my favorite book. Yes, yeah,
0: you love it. you and, and she she may be one of your favorite authors too.
1: Yeah, like, um, and I'm going to go on a whole spill about this in a second. But first, let me tell you, um, I don't know if you knew this already, but it even got like it's in talks right now to be produced as a film now, and some of the names that are like in, included on the bill are Viola Davis.
0: Wow. That's heavy,
1: heavy. Yeah, so, That's talent. Yeah, it is. So, time for my stint for the people who may not know about the book.
0: <laughs> Once upon a time, no,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do all that. Basically, um, it's about... I'm trying not to spoil it by telling too much, but at the baseline, it's a fantasy novel that is based in the era of the transatlantic slave-like time. So it starts in Africa and a lot of the characters are either slave traders or slaves themselves who are taken over to America. And it still has all of the quintessential themes of, you know, um, beings who have other worldly powers or beings that like um, they look like us. They're humanoid, but there's something special about them. And of those, the two main ones are actually in a perfect, like, you know, um, way, the villain and um you know hero of the story so the hero is Anyangwu, who is essentially a woman whose body is like clay so she can kind of like she's like a shapeshifter, essentially but it's so powerful she can will away illness she it's so powerful um she can i don't want to say i don't want to say too much but she can kind of like go into other forms beyond human um and she's the master of like and she represents like creationism healing um and the man that she falls in love with is the villain, and his name is Doro. But Doro is the opposite in that he doesn't even have a body. Um, he's a being that exists by snatching, stealing, and destruction. And he wants her body for the obvious reason of it being the perfect container. Like, Anyangwu is, like, several hundred years old, and she has, like, 20, 30 grandkids and stuff, but she looks like she's 20 because um, black don't crack. But also because <laughs> because of this 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 art. And he remains young by, like, stealing bodies. And there's, like, this kinky scene when they first meet where, in order to please her, he steals bodies in her type. You know, like, so it's, like, it's a really fun, like, crazy, like, otherworldly experience. But um, he ends up taking on the form of a slave trader and stealing her whole family and selling them into slavery. And it's an amazing story that spans, I think, two or 300 years. And it's a, it's basically like a what's the word? Kind of like when there's two, like a standstill, they come at a standstill because he wants to steal her body and she's going to do everything to stop that from happening. So it's like they're always kind of tit 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 tit, tick, but they love each other. And it's like my favorite book. I don't think that, it could have went off the rails at so many points because of how big the story was, but she landed that plane. And the thing about it is, for people who don't know who Octavia E. Butler is, she is the first woman of color Ever won the Nebula Award because typically this type of story isn't told from this perspective, and especially by a woman of color. She's now deceased. Um, she was a hermit, um, she didn't really go out much, she kind of saved herself from what I understand. So, she, from what I understand, like died at her home um, by herself. But she is exceptional, she's very brilliant. And the whole series around Wild Sea, it's like it's actually, um The Patternist series, I think it's called. So it's about all those people who kind of like the X Men have these things that are different about them. And it's just during a different time period. So it's during, you know, slavery and, you know, the civil rights movement.
0: You know what? Those two, The Name of the Wind and Wild Sea, they're definitely on my to be read list. Like they sounded right up my alley. Especially Wild Sea because of the female protagonist. Like I really love reading about the feminine journey and in whatever, in whatever way it comes in.
1: Oh yeah. It gets, it gets so good. And with all that, that I said, it's going to scare you to hear this. There was no spoiler. Like there's, the story is really deep. It gets, it gets to places that you wouldn't even imagine.
0: Oh yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. That, that's actually going to the, Wild Seed is actually going <laughs> to the top of my to read list. And it's funny because you've mentioned it to me before. But for whatever reason, I don't even know why, we've never actually went into de- in-depth into, in about what the book was about. Because had we had we done it, that would probably be in my top three. Like, just from hearing what you're saying to me, it ticks all the boxes.
1: It It's exceptional and it's weird because I don't think it's I don't think it's more than 400 pages. I think it's like 300-something. And sometimes I think through a um through a pace focal lens. So you may pick it up and it may be longer than that. But since the pace was so quick, it just felt like i finished it in a few days like it wasn't it wasn't long but she tackles whole centuries in 20 or 30 pages sometimes so she's i mean she's very talented i don't know how i would have pulled off like a story about several centuries in 300 pages she was not playing she she had to be on top of like cutting out stuff you don't need in the story like this <laughs> if it if it has nothing to do with the central plot it has to be cut that
0: is so good i yeah, that one right there, your number one will be right up here with my sure. number one probably next year when we do this, because that sounds brilliant to me. Like, I really, I'm like, <laughs> I really want to get into that probably tomorrow. Like, it's, it's, it really is tickling everything that needs to be tickled for me to pick a book up.
1: Yeah, it
0: it's amazing. And
1: I I hope that, um, if I remember, I'll send you the art that they had for the one I saw, because, like, it was, like, really magical looking and it sometimes that pulls you in like the way the book looks of course and um i checked it out from my local library i don't i don't own the book i actually don't own it um because i checked it out from a library to read it
0: you you checked the book and read it and then you returned it wow let me tell you something i keep (laughs) i kept my library books i you know i thought about it but i was like you know what
1: no i'll be i'll be a goody two shoes i'll take it back um, I need to that buy that was it. a joke,
0: people. I did not keep <laughs> my library book I returned them to you know, return to sender okay? Because them fees is not to be played with.
1: Yeah, they're probably rushing for that shit now. They ain't playing with y'all.
0: <laughs> no, you want that book? Huh? I got <laughs> that <them> for you. <laughs> we got a library right here in this penitentiary.
1: <laughs> oh my god, they really do. Oh, look, we're not doing this. We're not. We're keeping it on a high note. All right, so
0: um, d- did you have any audible mentions at all?
1: Um this time no, shockingly because I think I said this like when we said we would make the list. There are I, out of all the books I read, I knew like the top ten for me. Like I was like, Yeah, I already this is it. There's no honorable mention.
0: <laughs> well, I have one. The reason why, the only reason it's an honorable mention is because it hasn't been published yet. However, it is one of the best books. And I'm not just saying that because I know the person. It's one of the best books I've ever read. And the book is by my co-host. His name is Heart of Fire. It's part of the Essence series. I'm waiting on book two, as he knows. But the book's amazing. And I really want him to to keep writing it. So I'm putting it in here on the blogosphere where everyone can hear about it. So you guys email him and tell him that you are interested in reading it too. We may even, if I can talk him into it and you guys are interested, get him to read you guys a chapter or two. So help me. Help <laughs> me manipulate him, please.
1: So you know what? First of all, I'm like flabbergasted, like, thank you. Like I'm you know how weird I am because I'm like so critical and I'm like a perfectionist. So I was so down on myself, like, for so long that I haven't like went forward with it. But it's like a full, like, completed book, like literally sitting in this room. Like, it's in this room. I found out it's actually like in one of the boxes. Like when we were moving into the new place, and it's like printed out and just like ready for me to edit. And I'm gonna do it. I'm a. I'm gonna do it.
0: (laughs) You have to do it now because I'm a bully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, if
1: I get some, if I get some hate mail in my box.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness! But I had to do it because you deserve to get as much positive recognition because all these all these authors are great and I will put you right up there with them.
1: Oh my god, that is so sweet. Thank you, Squirrel. Thank you. Right there
0: with them. Oh,
1: I, I owe you falafel when coronavirus is over.
0: <laughs> oh yes, indeed. <laughs> I can't wait because I miss you. <laughs> I do too. Like, being able to
1: talk over the camera is cool and all but we need to get into like in-person campaigns and in-person going out for ice cream. I,
0: yes. And you know what? I, I was telling the people at work, I, my squirrel been wanted me to go out to clubs and stuff with him, and I've been like, no, I'm not really a and guy. <laughs> let me tell you something. When them things open back up, you, you ain't just say the word. We're going to be in there. I'm going to have my tank top on, sweating, dancing, having a great time. Like This has changed my outlook on some of those things.
1: Yeah, it's changed my outlook, too, because I think, like, you and I are very similar in that way that even though I go to, like, clubs and stuff, right, you know that there are certain things that I haven't gone to because I've been, like, uncomfortable or I can overthink myself out of it. But you look at things differently when you're, like, locked up and you can't get out. Like, it's, like, all those small things, I could have at least went maybe, you know, once or twice or, you know. Right. Yeah, like, I could have went to Command Fest, like, but I just was not, it just wasn't a good time for me, but now I wish I had because now who knows? Maybe I'll never get to go.
0: Oh, let me tell you something. If we know Wizard of the coast, they're gonna find a way to make some money off of that. Okay, so you think you think you think they'll it. bring it back? I think so. From what I could see, just in the DC market, it was packed to capacity.
1: Oh, good.
0: Ooh, so okay, I'm sure. I'm sure the vendors made a lot of money. Um, the vendor that hosted Star City Games, I'm sure they made a lot of money. And I mean, no shade. That's what it's about making that money.
1: Yeah, it, that's not
0: shade. That's that's the real <laughs> indeed it is indeed it is,
1: okay, so I'm looking at our list, I know next we're talking about um we're doing the turn me on segment if you want, I can go ahead and you know bring it in if you're ready, yeah, let's get let's get into it, okay, so for everyone at home, um turn me on is our hot um, our hot topic segment, so we're just gonna jump right in um I'm sure you have a, a spicy list for me, um do you want me to start I-
0: let me start with let me start with one because I know we both fanboy over him a lot okay and we love the song in it's original version and I just wanted to turn you on to this spoof that he made of himself okay called um mask, gloves, soap, scrubs (laughs) so Totric made a quarantine um version of of his of his song and actually, I just found out today, actually, that he released a album called Quarantine Queen. And I know how much you love his music. So I wanted to turn you on to that, too. Um, so take a look at it. It's, I think it has like five or six tracks on it. Mad Love, Soap Scrubs being one of them. One of the five or six. And I haven't yet had a chance to listen to it. But as you know, we stand topic. And all his products have not disappointed and i know that the song didn't disappoint so i think this album's gonna be pretty good oh nice and what's it called again um the the album's called quarantine queen
1: no the um the the parody because you know i didn't start with that that sounds oh. so funny <laughs>
0: mask gloves soap scrubs
1: okay yeah i live i live because <laughs> when i saw toddy live and that's one i forgot in episode zero that i also saw him live sometimes i forget stuff but he he can also turn oh, out and the I show knew that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I knew that, and it was my pl- it was it was my job to remember that because that was my question to answer. But yeah, I do remember you went to go see his Straight Out of Oz um, tour.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Oh my god! So okay. Um, what you got to turn me on to? All right, so the first on my list um, is Zigfeld Secrets closing. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to actually pull up the the message they put up on social media. And as I'm doing that, just to give everyone at home kind of an insight. So we live in um, Maryland. So as a result, we're in like the tri-state area between DC, Maryland, and Virginia, the DMV. And we all typically go to DC for our drag shows because that's where all the girls go. Even our local queens, like the majority of them uh, perform in DC. And one of the oldest spots that's been open for almost 40 years um, was Ziegfeld Secrets. And they didn't just do, like, drag. That's what I would go for typically, but they also had, like, strippers, which I also went for. Um, and they had, like, you know, go-go dancers and um, other very, um, you know, varying performances. But as a result of coronavirus, they sent this. Ziegfeld Secrets, regrettably, has been forced to close our doors. We have all been honored to bring you the best in entertainment for 40 years. Regrettably, the option to stay And even a closing event has been taken from us during this crisis to the many dancers, drag queen, bartenders, DJs and support staff over the years. Thank you for making us one of D.C.'s best venues. Stay safe and healthy till next time.
0: That is so sad because. Especially in our area and let us know about your you guys area, but in our area, queer spaces aren't something that you're seeing all this all the time and we've actually had a rash of our queer spaces closing and it's just sad to see another one fall especially not because it wasn't popular not because it didn't deliver what what the people wanted to see it's because of something that they just could not control no one could control this pandemic and a lot of businesses are suffering but this one hits home yes. it's, it's right in our backyard it's right where our tribe would coalesce to have some type of entertainment, whatever that entertainment ended up being.
1: Yeah, and um, I wanted to kind of give you a, a silver lining. Um, you, if you already know this, my apologies, but Town Dance Boutique is opening back up.
0: I did not know that, and that <laughs> is the best news I've heard in a while because that was, like, where I would attempt to go when I wanted to see the queens. That's where the queens would come, yep. from Drag Race. Like, yep. And Tatiana, she made her home there. Yeah. So when I heard that they were closing, I was actually very sad. Because as you know, you have frequented it way more than I did. But the one or two times that we went together, I had the best of times. And we had already started planning on going to the next one and you know seeing some yeah. other queens when they come and just going there to have a good time. And then when it then we, when we heard the news that it was closing, it was like a gut punch. So hearing that it's reopening gives us a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel where we can go and have a great time once all this is said and done. For sure. And the way they're going to do it, apparently, they had
1: to hold the town hall because it would be in an old Catholic church. So some of the residents are kind of upset about that. But it would actually be in um, Noma. Um, so they're trying to, I guess, change the... The space around it, but the reason it got passed is, and I didn't know the I read the article; it actually gagged me. Apparently, there's this technology that they were using at the old town that they're going to use at this one that insulates sound by putting a major wall between the dance floors, so it absorbs the shop. So if you live around it, you can't hear it.
0: Wow, I didn't even know it. I mean, I guess we all kind of knew soundproof things exist, but for a, it's really innovative for a club to use it. As a selling point to get put into a yeah. space. Like, yeah, it's, we're a nightclub, we're gonna be playing music and having these, th- but you won't even hear it. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> and when you think about it, when we were standing in line, those two, like, I think we went more than, I can't remember how to, it's just been so many years. But the point is, we didn't hear it from outside, but it was the way that I think, you know, did you go outside in the middle part, like the the patio part? Yes, yeah, we did. That's the secret. So apparently, by separating the building through there, it absorbs some of the shock. I, wow, it's crazy because it was cute out there. But like, when it opens back up, I'm gonna like let you know. I mean, obviously, after all this is over, it'll probably right. But yeah,
0: so. it, it will go because, like I said, like I'm, I'm, I am going to the adventures that we are going to go on. Yes. <laughs> stay
1: tuned. Yes, for sure. All right. See so what's next for
0: me. Turn me on. All right, so I wanted to turn you on to this little cute show that I've been that I, that I have been watching. It's just a really cute show. It's by it's by um a queer creator. I'm gonna go go pull his name up. Like I, I, it's it it's slipped my mind just now. But it's called Shit's Creek. It's a sitcom based in Can, Can, Canada. It's a Canadian sitcom, and it's pretty much about. This very affluent white family, who fall on hard times because you know some 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 business failings, and now they're poor. And the only thing that they were able to keep, when the, when the government came to snatch all their stuff, was this little town that they bought as a joke called Shits Creek. So they have to move to shitt's Creek, and. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, live their life there. And it's really like a fish out of water story. It's by Dan and Eugene Levy. Dan is um Eugene Levy's son and he's the the gay man who writes who writes and stars in it. Hmm. And and he plays a bisexual um man. So we see him have relations with both men and female. And that type of diversity is something that I love. And although And you know I always look for stuff like this. Although it doesn't have a lot of racial diversity, I still watch it because of the queer diversity. So I think you'll love it. It's really funny, which, I mean, who doesn't love to laugh? And season, it just ended probably a month or two ago. Um, And so it has six seasons to watch. You don't have to wait for anything I think the first five are on Netflix and by the time you guys finish watching the first five the, the sixth one may be up and I think I think everyone's gonna love it. If you love to laugh and you love to love you'll love it.
1: Okay, I'll definitely check it
0: out. It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. Shit's Creek. You spell shits S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Is it animated? No, it's a, um, it's, it's a um, live action. It's a, it's a sitcom.
1: For a second, I thought that maybe Netflix had suggested it to me because I'm seeing something else on my head that was animated. I thought that's what you were talking about, but yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out then. I, so, I mean, but there's a whole list of stuff that like I'm still like watching because you know you're the one who got me you know watching uh, Charmed and Buffy. So like I got to get past season three um, of Buffy and then I can like open up my life again.
0: <laughs> yeah, like the problem with the problem with Buffy is. This is a good problem, obviously. That the further into the show you get, the less likely you're going to want to stop watching it. Because yeah. it gets really good. To to me, it is some of the best TV I remember watching. Right up there with Sean. And again, my my trend remains the same. Sci-fi fantasy, female protagonist. So, um,
1: hold on. And let me write this down because I don't want to forget. But, um, yeah, you already know I'm a huge fan of Buffy. like, And you warned me that <laughs> season three was still get to that good place and right before i gave up i saw the hush episode and ever since then i was like I, you were 100 percent right because that is actually one of my favorite like episodes of a show ever because of how they handled the storyline and like the dark elements and it was oh i i you know i love it i love it
0: let me tell you something horror Go that was. Yes. Like you were telling me about a um horror movie that you liked that had like the same premise, but it was like a whole a, a whole movie based on it. Yeah. Where I think there was this deaf lady and she was being pretty much like stalked and taunted by some guy breaking into her home, but she couldn't hear anything. That's what it was called. Hush. Gag.
1: Gag.
0: <laughs> it may be inspired by. It.
1: Yeah, it was. You know what's funny? I think you would like Hush actually. I feel like you watched it with me, but I create weird concepts in my head. But like, no, it's it's that good. It's she's brilliant. Um, a good survivor girl, like for sure.
0: Um, you know what? Let me write that down because I'm gonna branch into more horror esque um, cinema because I think that my palate has changed and grown and evolved since my first foray into horror where it turned me off but um we you 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 take me on this journey slowly (laughs) yeah you know it's just
1: it's it's being sensitive to the fact that like there are certain things that i know that you like so sometimes i'll watch something and say oh despite the fact it's hard, i know that like you know he likes you know witchcraft so let me go ahead and suggest this to him or you you get the idea
0: yeah, exactly. Like two things I could think of on the top of my head that were horror ads that you brought up to me were it. Yeah. Which I loved. And it, you you actually made me watch it. We watched it together. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. And America Horror Story Coven. Yeah. No no no. You love them both. I, I have to give
1: you your props. You went on that adventure by yourself. Because I told you oh, it, did I? you did. Because like you knew that I like watched the series. But I watched like all the like the horror anthology series because I'm a huge fan. And when we talked about Coven, I actually told you not to watch it. You're
0: right, and I and I remember why. We won't even. Go well, yeah, that that's
1: right. not that's <laughs> not important.
0: But but yeah, like <laughs> but but,
1: but, um, but yeah, no. Um, I said no, don't watch it. And you you took some time, and then you found out some of the people who were in it. So then you went on the adventure by yourself, and you enjoyed it.
0: Loved it. Yeah. Loved it so good. I'm I'm actually going to go back and watch all of the anthology from beginning to end. I may watch season three. I may skip it because I haven't it. But I'm a huge fan of Ryan Murphy's work. Me too. And I think, and of course, if things become too much, I just turn it off. I have that type of control. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> so I'm going to give it a try because I'm really interested in, And, you know, in in this time, I'm burning through everything at this point. So I'm just looking for new things to watch, new things to enjoy. And then it gives us something to talk about, you know, because I can bring you back to all the things that you may have even forgotten about this show since you watched them, you know, in in order in time when they were being released. Though it's not my favorite,
1: um, season three is actually the most popular because it brought the most people in, and as a result, um, that's why I did Apocalypse. It's Coven Part Two. So if you watch them, just start with Apocalypse because it's going to pick up with the witches, and it's going to give them. And he's bringing them back the third time he said because the people like the witches the most.
0: So I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna definitely watch Apocalypse, and then you and I will talk about you know which order to watch them after that later.
1: Okay. So me bringing up Buffy earlier was supposed to be a transition to my next. Um, uh, turn me on uh, news. And I'm just going to tell it to you how it was told to me, okay? Okay, spill it. I actually have to read to give it to you. You can thank Dolly Parton for the Buffy TV series. Wow! Well, you know, she aims to please.
0: <laughs> so, I need <laughs> an elaboration. Why is the legend, Miss Parton, to... Why is she the reason why we got this fantastic show?
1: Because she was working 9 to 5, you know, on, on the country music and then 5 to 9 on uh, Buffy. No, okay, no, okay. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so cheesy. No, but okay. Here's the real tea. Someone was going through and watching um, old episodes of Buffy and they noticed that the production team was Sand Dollar which is dolly pardons production company so from the inception of buffy and i think it was like 93 or 95 um up until like 2000 whatever um sand dollar dolly pardons production company was producing buffy the tv series
0: and wow.
1: the the fans cuz like you know how rich the fandom is they said wait a minute now cuz they saw cuz the people who know dolly pardons birthday is January nineteenth, Buffy's birthday in the C in the TV series is January nineteenth. Case closed. This it was all because of her. She it was a one it was a one woman show. We can thank Dolly Parton for single handedly bringing Buffy uh, to TV.
0: <laughs> oh, so we're gonna forget all about the fact <laughs> that Josh Wheaton. <laughs> That you know that he that was the creator. He was the brains behind it. We're gonna forget all about the fact that Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Gellar had to put together the character and act it brilliantly. But yes, Dolly gets her proper news. We will give them to her.
1: Listen, why are you see why are you yelling at me? I'm just telling you what she did.
0: Okay, I mean it's an open and closed case i I let me tell you something. I'll be surprised that Dolly even know what Buffy <laughs> <the> Vampire player <laughs> She opened up that production studio and said, Find me, make me some money. Yeah, pretty much. Like in my <laughs> in my dream
1: imagination, she was on set wearing like a blonde top knot and a velvet halter and you know, walking Buffy through her um her scenes. Oh, Buff- oh my god, Sarah Michelle Galli her <laughs> scene. Wow, I'm so
0: delusional. Uh do <laughs> her scenes. You know what? <laughs> I'm starting to understand. Maybe, just maybe. Stick with me now. Okay. Maybe Buffy's Buffy's autobiography.
1: (laughs) I needed that. (laughs) And I was going to keep on feeding into it, but I was like, you know what? You got it. You got it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (sighs) So, let me turn you on to something you probably already are hip to. But these quarantine concerts and singing challenges and stuff that we're getting, with we, Beyonce singing, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And, like, we're getting all of this content that we would have to pay hundreds of dollars to see for free. Thousands
1: for Beyonce, but
0: keep, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think that it is a beautiful way for our country to come together like that for these people to say look you're stuck at home you guys need something to do let me turn my camera on and give you just a snippet you don't not behind a paywall not be you know not trying to you know profit off of it but just so you have something to do that's a beautiful thing and i really appreciate like i've watched not all of them because let's be real but i've watched a number of them and that quarantine entertainment, the things that people are doing to try to keep us sane, is a beautiful thing. Cause they all could have just went to the little hidey hole. They make, they've made plenty of money already yeah. and they're living on estates and things where I'm sure they can find other things to do to entertain us, but they love entertaining. They love doing what they do. They love interacting with their fans and that they're just giving us this content for free. And I think that's an amazing thing. And they really deserve to be, you know, to be thanked for it. They do. Um,
1: it's funny that you brought that up because I did I know how much you love certain artists from like the 90s. And I found out one of your favorite ones that we both like, um, Jill Scott. She's apparently having a versus battle with Erica Batty. Ooh, let me tell you something. Like, that's what, so you remember in the post notes, like Amelia was sending me like an SOS? It was that. And I cannot wait to see. I'm getting my, um, my sage ready, my Palo Santo sticks. I'm getting my incense burning up in here. I gotta get my spirit right for this. Because if you're not if oh. you're not right, you can't you can't listen to it. I'm sorry. Don't tune in. You gotta send
0: me the link because <laughs> I'm ready to be blessed.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be amazing. I can't even imagine how that's gonna go. Like they're they're both so very talented.
0: Yeah, like, and they sing like a neo soul style yes. that is really about feeling the music and feeling the emotion and giving and letting you into their experience, and that's exactly what I love about the both of them, really. Yeah, for sure. Um.
1: Yeah, we were having so much fun. I don't remember whose turn it is until the next thing. Well,
0: let me get you into this. Let me turn over to something that's some more quarantine entertainment because that's just where we're at right now. Have you been looking at these clips that Leslie Jordan has been putting out onto the internet? No. Okay. Just go onto YouTube and just put in Leslie Jordan quarantine. He has hours of content of just him, you know, trying to get through this quarantine like everybody else. It is so funny. If you are looking for a quick snippet or something to get you to get a good laugh in your morning, if you you feeling dragged down, give it a give it a listen. Also, of course, he's homosexual like us; he's gay like we are. So it also feeds my my need for diversity. <laughs> so I love it so much. I suggest that you go take a couple of looks at him. And it's not any it's not anything you have to watch a whole bunch of because it's just a bunch of you know. There's a bunch of his snaps and things he's posted on Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. So funny though. Like comedy gold. Hmm. I will
1: I should pull it up and, and you know, I the first time I really got into him was when he was playing Beverly at uh Will and Grace. Like that was like my favorite I don't yeah, I gotta see
0: this. He is so funny. He told he told some stories uh, um, about him getting himself into trouble because he starts announcing stuff before he's supposed to. Mm. And two two instances, what brought this up is, because you mentioned Will and Grace, um, he was doing like a meet and greet or something, and somebody asked him, like, oh, is Will and Grace coming back? And he was like, yes, yeah, of course, I'm on it. And they hadn't announced it was coming <gasps> back yet.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I love that, because that's a mistake I think a lot of us would make if we were having so much fun at the moment. That is so messy,
0: though. <laughs> And then the second one, he was at—I can't remember which Pride now, so I'm not going to say—but he was he was doing a Pride celebration, and he was asked about a rumor that he was going to be on American Horror Story, and he was like, "Oh yes, yeah, me, Lady Gaga, so and so and oh. so," and the crowd at Pride died because it hadn't been announced that Lady Gaga was going to be on American Horror Story yet, and he said. He said he got himself in so much trouble in those two instances, and that and and there's stories like that that he's just going through. Just, see, it's, it's hilarious. Like I've been watching them. Like every time I'm not doing anything, I just want to, and I did something to do. I just press play on on the YouTube compilations, and I die of laughter.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out. When I typed it into Google just now, it definitely said three things to lighten up your day, and it just says Leslie jo- uh, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, clearly you're on to something with that. I'm like, that's more than, um a, you know, three things, I'm sure, if it's a compilation, but I will definitely watch.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. You got anything else for me? Yeah, I only have one more. Um,
1: no, I have two. Yes. Okay, we're going on an adventure.
0: <laughs> yes, take me down there. Take me down. Because cause just, so, just, you know, between you and I and everyone who's listening, that's all I got this time around right? Oh, I guess I can just bring it to a. I mean, because
1: one of the things I feel like you're already hip to, and the other thing you're not. So I'll do the thing you're hip to first. Uh, Yeah, baby, turn me on. Heidi's oopsie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So for everyone at home, um, and it may not have been an oopsie. Um, Oh, let me do my disclaimers because I love Heidi. She is my girl. I'm so happy she's on this competition. And the moment that she can um you know perform live and coronavirus is over, I will definitely be there in the front row um supporting her and buying up all her merch. So hmm. so that I like everything Heidi, uh, uh Aphrodite and um what were the other ones? All of that. Whatever, whatever she chooses, is whatever I'm giving money to. Her next name is gonna be Heidi and C. Oh, I like that. Heidi and C. It could be <laughs> Heidi
0: Doing. <laughs> exactly, Heidi Clooney. That would have been a good that would have been a good running joke for her if they had thought about it sooner. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: she's probably going to do all of this and then come off the race and be like Heidi in closet again.
0: <laughs> That's my name. That's what
1: Britta do. Yeah. Britta. To do my name is Britta Filter. <laughs> okay, so now that our disclaimer and outpouring of love have happened, <laughs> um, I was on the uh, I was on Twitter after the race, like I always do, just you know trying to get into the conversation. And I already follow Heidi. And she had posted the following tweet. Everything happens for a reason. I wasn't able to share this look on the show, but I wanted to share it now. I'm happy with what we put together. It went deeper than aesthetic and included our personalities and positive outlooks on life. I am so happy to have worked with Nicole. And when I read that, I was none too pleased because... Typically, the pattern that I see is, like, the girl who goes home writes something similar to this. So I thought maybe, oh, my God, has Heidi gone home, you know, maybe next week, for example, and she accidentally posted this early, you know, thinking, you know, not paying attention to what was going on. Um, I wasn't going to say anything in the comments because I know she has time. (laughs) But I definitely fell back and, like, let other people say something because I knew she would respond to it. Um, So... An anonymous Twitter user pretty much said, um, "You know, she posted this early by accident," and she said, "No, I did." So either you know this is not an oopsie, or it's an oopsie, and she's just trying to like you know do damage control. But what do you think? I don't know.
0: <laughs> so I've seen the image now, and I'm going to hold out my judgment on her until next week. Okay, and see if she, to see if she's wearing a look similar to what she's wearing in that picture. And then we'll know for sure whether it was an oopsie or not. But all in all, you have to be very careful because you know that the Drag Race community is going to take a nugget like that and dig deep and give it meaning and try to figure out what's going on. Especially Heidi, although she may not have known, but she should know how beloved she is. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, there are people who are holding out hope that she makes it to the top four and that they have a lip sync for your crown so she can turn it out and snatch that thing. And I would be thrilled if that happened. But if she is going home and she did post it early, <sighs> I feel so bad for her. Because can you imagine how she's beating herself up right now?
1: Yeah, I know I would. Um, but the thing is, there's something so resilient about her spirit that maybe, maybe if it is an oopsie, she's like, you know what? It is what it is. Like at the end of the day, I'm I'm gonna get these coins because we, I've never and I thought I was alone in how much I loved her until I talked to you about it and I realized you really loved her too. And then like online, everyone loves it. Like she's such a genuine spirit and she's really fun to watch. And this look is stunning. Whether it's the oopsie or not, I'm in love with this look. Um, I know you said you had seen it, like the prismatic, like um purple and blue. Like oh, it's just gorgeous just gorgeous Yeah,
0: and I, and I think that it—I I don't think it was like a oopsie in the sense that maybe it's from a different episode because it kind of feeds into her disco theme that she was trying to get into. Oh yeah, for um <clears throat> for, the, for the runway that just passed. So maybe it's just the wording of her message was a bit off because it did sound like a say la vie when it's probably just like I understand it does didn't like my look. Yeah. This is what we were shooting for, but we couldn't get there. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um.
1: But that was it I did have another one but I think I want to save it for next time for sure because talking about Heidi now I think like it's like a good transition into you know talking about our drag
0: race segment oh yeah for sure yeah so So let's get into it okay (laughs) (laughs) this is the meat the meat and potatoes
1: it is so let me see I'm just scrolling down now All right. So for everyone listening at home, we're just going to talk about our top three moments of the night um, across the RuPaul's Drag Race sandwich. So we don't care indiscriminately. um, Drag Race, Celebrity Drag Race and on top. We're just going to talk about top three moments. Um, Maybe in the future we'll do like a shorter list or a longer one. But I feel like we both agreed that it was just three really standout moments for each of us. We haven't talked about which ones we like the most, so that's going to be new. But um, I'm ready to start if you are, for sure. Oh, yes, indeed. Did you want to take the first one or take the first one? Oh, I would love to take the first one. Although, Go ahead. you know my love for um, certain looks, so it may not surprise you that my number three was Janet the Planet uh, pre-B. Uh, I was obsessed. Um, the moment that I saw Janet the Planet, um, and what a what an awesome name, too, by the way. But um, the moment I saw her, I was like, damn, like, you know, old girl has the upper hand in this. She has, like, perfect features. She has, like, a great, like, um, facial structure. I liked, like, her asymmetrical cut hair, like how dark black her hair was. Like, she had, like, a, a very, very nice look. And she was, like, one of my favorite um, of the contestants, pre-B. After the transformation, I feel like so many of the girls, like, Look so different that i don't i don't know how i would rate them but just from first like initial reaction like i stand janet the planet
0: <laughs> yeah her, her story as well as all the stories of the ladies was very powerful the fact that she changed her name legally to janet and the, janet the planet to remind herself not to take herself too seriously like that is a message that i think we all Could benefit from one way or another at one time or another. Like sometimes we all take ourselves a little too seriously, and the fact that she went as far as to say, "I'm changing my name legally to remind myself that you are it," and And she is don't take yourself too seriously. Yes,
1: yeah, she's a whole she's a whole mood. Like to be honest, like I love that. Um, so okay, what's your number three?
0: And to segue right off of what you were talking about, I'd like the entire makeover, cha- makeover challenge. And as you know, in the past, I haven't been a fan of makeover challenges for a number of reasons that we don't need to get into. But this one here, the, the fact that they surprise the super fans and the super fans personalities, their willingness to go above and beyond to be a part of this experience it was, it was like striking gold for World of Wonder and RuPaul's Drag Race, because it's everything you want to see in a makeover challenge, plus more. Like we got, unlike other makeover episodes, we got to know them. Like we got to know these super fans. We found out about people's families and people's experience. Like Janice, for example, and how um she was because she was so tall, she was picked on, and people used to think she was a man, and all these things. And or think so she was a drag queen, and that's what brought her into drag was people bullying and picking on her, and I thought it was just such a great, powerful episode and message. And really, I know that it won't happen, but I really think that it should be super fans every season, yeah, because they they love the show, they understand the show, they want to be on the show. There's not gonna be any like waffling or half assness. It just made for a better experience for me, a viewer. Watching people really want to do this thing.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. It should always be super fans. I don't, I don't like when um, somebody don't feel like getting up and drag because shit, put me on there. Like, let me compete. Like, I would love to be in the workroom and working with those queens. Like,
0: there's something so romantic about drag. But also, when I was watching it. I thought that, um, just for a split second, and it's not even critical of the episode, but I was I was thinking that it would have been even more powerful for Surprise if it was done on the All-Star season because the fans would have already known the Queens. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? Well, can you imagine you and I, super fans, thinking we're going to home or something like that. They open the doors. We walk in, and Alyssa and Bob... <laughs> Kim Chi and queens that we have already known and love are standing there like, oh and we know one of them is gonna be making us over.
1: That's excellent. Oh. Yeah, I think and maybe they will do that. Um I think sometimes like they test a lot of concepts before they like roll them up. But I wouldn't be surprised, like if in the future they did that.
0: <laughs> that it would be it would be amazing. I would watch.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me too. All right, so my number two, I bet I know your number two, and I think ours are running in parallel, which is funny, but um mine was Trinity's runway look. Um, I was really blown away with like the it's hard to explain, but like the black like cover ups and like the metallic cut of like the black. It, I'm bad with adjectives right now, just Google her look. <laughs> but no, like it was, I was very enamored by uh, Trinity's look,
0: um, for sure. And my number two actually has it's still from the main show that lip sync. Was to me one of the best of the season. And the fact that it ended in a double Shantae was deserved. And of course, there's the talk that it was probably going to end in a double Shantae anyway because of the mood and the feel of the show. And I don't disagree with that. I think, but I do think that they had to put their effort in. I don't think sure. if someone stood there, if someone stood there like Char- Charlie Hyde and pointed, that we would have got a double Chante. I don't just think it happened. So those girls still had to put in the work, and they didn't know they both were going to stay. You know what I mean? Like just because the producers may have known, and it may have been something that was preconceived, the f eff- that doesn't take away from the effort <clears> that those two performers put in to put on an amazing show. So I loved it. I love the double Chante, and I'm so happy to be able to see Heidi and Jackie for another week.
1: Yeah, I am too. More so Heidi for me, because if I had to pick, I would have chose Heidi but um, to stay. But I understand that like it was her fourth time lip syncing, so it really could have went over to Jackie because they did such an exceptional job, both of them. So, um, yeah, for sure. Um, my number one, though, is Crystal's Bert and Ernie look from the main
0: show. Yes, that look was amazing. It was one of the looks, though, for me... That I had to keep looking at it because when she first rounded the corner, before my my mind was able to catch the concept, um, I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then she walked, and they played with the character, and then it hit me. I said, "Whoa, this is a brilliant look," and it ended up being my favorite of the night and one of the favorite of the season. So it's funny how I went through a whole emotional journey through her runway look. Yeah, for sure. When, um, when she was first getting her
1: uh, face beat in the workroom, and I saw the yellow and like the, the red, and Chris Lee like, made a joke about it being Burton Ernie, um, I, I didn't know that she was serious. And also, I thought that the beat was too harsh, and I didn't know where it was going. So I think coming from around that into what it became, Definitely made it my favorite look of the night, too. Um, I think, like, if you notice, like, with all of my points, it was all about the looks. There was something about the way that they, I don't know, like, I enjoyed Celebrity Drag Race as well. Like, it was, like, amazing. But in terms of the queens that, you know, because the lineup was amazing, too. But the queens that we know, they really turned it out. This is a, a very powerful season. And I'm excited to see
0: where else it goes, to be honest. Indeed. And to piggyback off what you just said, my number one is Celebrity Drag Race. This episode is Celebrity Drag Race. The whole episode, the Queen Supremes and the celebrity guests that they were able to snag. Um, having Alyssa, Trinity, and Asia as the Queen Supremes this episode matched really well with having Lonnie... Tammy. Vanessa Williams and, Tam- <laughs> and Tammy. And... The the whole episode to me was what I think was envisioned when they thought of the concept. And I'm not saying I did not like episode one, but episode two, the whole it all fit together in such a beautifully coalesced thing that it just blew my mind. Because I, when it was announced, was not a fan of the concept. I didn't want to see no, I mean, I just didn't want to, like I heard about. I'm like, okay, great. Where's All Shots Five though? Because that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm waiting for. But I am pleasantly surprised by the content and the quality of Celebrity Drag Race. And now it's easily it's easily my second favorite of the three of the sandwich. Like Untucked would be my least favorite, and of course, Original Drag Race would be my top favorite. But Celebrity Drag Race has slid right into the number two slot for me. Um, I still like untuck better, but but I know like I'm a huge
1: untuck fan. But um, this episode definitely was very, very exciting. Um, when the women were coming out into the workroom, um, I was very impressed with the lineup, and I was I was curious to see how it would all go because knowing their personality, well, it's not like I know them personally, but I mean like you know through the 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 tube, it it felt like it would work, and I was very ecstatic, and it did so. You know, kudos to them.
0: Exactly. It was was really great.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. All right. Did you have any other thoughts? Uh, Anything you want to say? You know, I think that um, this has been an amazing, amazing episode. And I think that it's about that time.
1: It is about that time. I mean, we've been saving the internet for an hour and some change now. I think it's time to hang (laughs) up our cakes.
0: Exactly, you know, even even superheroes need, need need to take you know need to clock out for the evening. Oh
1: yes, I gotta put some cucumbers over my eyes and some more. All right, so first <laughs> of all, we want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we hope you had as much fun as we did. Our plan is to post a new episode a week from now, but in the meantime, please feel free to email us any of your questions or feedback. Our email address is rndsaves at gmail dot com. That's the letter R, the letter N, and the letter D. Saves at gmail.com. Everyone enjoy your week. And until next time, eat lots and be merry.
0: Yes, you guys. Thank you so much for, for stopping by, giving us a little bit of your time. Love who you love, baby. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye.